you with the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. It's Faraz. It's Zach. Zach's a little on tilt right now. You know, we just got, it was just a couple minutes ago, the Cowboys lost. They were about, what, six yards short? Um, coming away? Yeah, but the whole issue was they got away. They were six yards from the end zone with first and five, and then they got sacks and penalties, and then they were all the way back, and then it was a desperation. Though. It was pretty much a short Hail Mary, <laughs> so I wasn't surprised. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. Um, it, it was a good game. You know, the Eagles, you know, somewhat controlled the game throughout. Uh, and then the Cowboys finally, you know, ma- made their way back. You know, Dak, how would you think Dak played in this game? Because he was like, it was an up and down game. You know, obviously, you know, he got the ball to, to his playmakers and he play, made plays when he needed to make them. But it was a little bit too late in the game. Yeah, it was a little too late in the game. But I think overall, if you want to talk about fantasy, <laughs> you know, like this is great. Oh, fantasy, he did his thing. Yeah, 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 for sure. That was awesome. I think I think he played good. I, I don't think he played bad. I think people are going to hang it on him because he stepped out of bounds on that two-point conversion, and they might hang it on him because he took a couple sacks. But at the end of the day, you know, the Eagles are a good team. They got a lot of pressure on them, and that, that, that happens sometimes. I wasn't expecting Dallas to win in Philly, but you can be happy about the fantasy output because he's going to be – I mean, I think he's ranked as a QB6 right now because we had some really good quarterback performances this week. But he's going to be easily a really good uh, fantasy quarterback this week. And he looks – He's looking more like a low-end QB1 these past couple of weeks. Hopefully he can keep this up. It looks like Dallas is finally shifting to the idea that maybe if we throw the ball to CeeDee Lamb, you know, good things will happen. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, this is another really, really good matchup for CeeDee Lamb. He didn't score a touchdown, but, you know, listen, he still came through uh, with a big game, you know, 177 receiving yards, absolutely ridiculous uh, in a good matchup. So let's hope this continues for CeeDee Lamb. Um, now, you know, if you look at the rest of this Cowboys matchup, man, like, you know, you look at Tony Pollard, you know, in a closer game, you know, you want him to get his touches up. Uh, he, he looked okay in this one, you know, 12 carries for 51 yards. He had a couple targets, you know, five targets in this one and three catches. But, you know, not – he hasn't had those game-breaking plays. He had a, he had one, like, a couple weeks ago. But, you know, not, you know, not what you want. I mean, this was a little bit of a tougher matchup on the ground. And they definitely, you know, got into a little bit of a negative game script here. But, you know, again, you know, you're kind of hoping for more out of Tony Pollard. And it's looking like, you know, we talked about it, you know, late last week. We were, you know, doing a buy-sell episode. It's like it's just like, dude, when is it going to happen, you know, for Tony Pollard? Right. And it doesn't look like Dallas is moving any closer to a run-first approach. I think that was kind of their idea the first few weeks, and they saw that wasn't working. You know, they weren't scoring points. And I know Mike McCarthy, he was talking about it over the offseason. He's like, let's get to the run game a little bit. Well, they went to the pass game these past three games, and I think it's serving them a lot better because they won two games, and then they lost a close one here against Philly. So I, I think that's going to continue. We might see Dak turn around, and that's going to come at the expense. Sadly, Maybe. Maybe, but the next two games are against the Giants and the Panthers. So <laughs> I can totally see a run-heavy approach yeah. in those two games. Um, yeah. You know, and and you know, we could allude to the Giants situation where Daniel Jones is looking like he has torn his ACL potentially. Okay, so that would be uh, terrible for them. He they just got him back. They just put Tyrod Taylor on IR as well. So that is not a good situation at all. For the Giants, um, not a good, you know, they, they just put Darren Waller on IR. Obviously, you know, if you have Saquon, you know, obviously the, the offense is going to run through him. 
and he had an okay game in this one. But like, you know, you, you you don't want the entire offense to be Saquon. Even if you have Saquon, you don't want that to be the case. Right. Because how durable is he going to be? <laughs> We've seen Daniel Jones. He's been getting beat up the whole season. You know, he comes back and now it ironically comes on a play, this injury where he wasn't touched. <laughs> like, that's just like ridiculous. Um, but yeah, with Saquon, how much can he take in the ground game too is a good question. You know, I don't think the offense can be that good. They just lost Darren Waller, was their best pass catcher. They just lost their quarterback who's supposed to save them from not having Tyrod Taylor. And now it's just all backups plus Saquon pretty much at this point. I don't have any faith in the Giants offense moving forward. And just because I said that now, they're going to go crazy next week against Dallas. <laughs> Not actually, but hey man, listen, I'm just going like to throw that in there as a disclaimer. So I don't, I, those words don't come back to bite me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Jalen hurts, you know, and like going back to this Cowboys game, you know, Jalen hurts had a little bit of a knee scare, you know, obviously he hurt his knee in the previous game. Um, and you know, he was okay. He, he, he got hurt on a sack, um, you know, where that Michael Parsons ended up cleaning up on, but, you know, he came back in the in the second half and he was just fine. And he ended up, you know, throwing a touchdown to Devontae Smith, who only had three targets in this game, three catches for 51 yards, which isn't great. AJ Brown finally slowed down uh, seven catches for 66 yards. Still got a touchdown for him. Yep. This is slowing down uh, for everybody <laughs> else. Crazy. This is a great game. <laughs> it, it was a, it was a tough matchup and they still came through for you. So, like, honestly, going into this game, like, were you expecting that much out of Devontae Smith? No, he got a touchdown. Good. You know, good for him. And A.J. Brown, I, I wouldn't consider 19.6 points like you mentioned. Like, that's not a failure on any front. You know, that's a fine game, especially in the matchup. By the way, I mentioned that C.D. Lamb had only 177 yards. It was actually 11 catches for 191 yards. Uh, how is my – how are you keeping track on my C.D. Lamb sell – take from a couple weeks ago like are you keeping track on how hey. is that how is that going so far hey i i listened to it too i was you know taking the bait on that one a little bit also now i didn't expect this type of turnaround for cd lamb i don't think you should sell him right now at this point obviously you look back it's easy to go back and say like yeah you know we were we were wrong and we were at this point so far through two weeks it's only been two weeks though you know what i'm saying we were talking about selling him because he wasn't getting the target share but now he's 14 and 16 targets in the past two games mm looks like something changed that you know that's that kind of thing is out of our control <laughs> you know what i'm saying i'm not trying to make hey, listen, excuse, man. but no, that no, coaching shift is that coaching shift is it happens and it's it, it, it was also it was also bad timing on my part because he had a great matchup out of the uh, out of the slot against the rams he obviously had a great matchup against the eagles right so it's yeah. like well m for me it was just like well do you really want to hold him through the bye and not take advantage of the big game that he had before the bye and now he has the giants in carolina where the the Cowboys could get be a little bit more run focused. Um, I had him as my what wide receiver six this week, something like that. Yeah, wide receiver five. Like I think I had him at five. You had him at six, but the consensus said he was, I think, six. Yeah, gotcha. Well, yeah. So that's 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 that. I'm not going to have him this high next week. No, you know what I mean. Um, the game could be completely different. Yep. Right. Um. And and probably not against Carolina as well, who's been who've been a little stingy against wide receivers. Um. You know. It's it's you know it's one of those things where you know hopefully hopefully the target share continues to line up his way. Uh, in this game, he saw a thirty six percent target share, you know, similar to what he saw last week. So this is what you want right. to see if you have CD Absolutely. Land. Uh, um, let's circle back to a few of these other games. Oh, by the way, Jake Ferguson, great game mm -hmm. by him. Uh, Ten targets. This is what you want to see: seven for ninety one and a touchdown. 
it seems like Jake Ferguson is turning to somebody that you can start every single week. Yeah, and that goes back, and I think there's a simple explanation for this. We saw early in the season, Dallas was running the ball more. Now they're throwing the ball more, and they're taking more advantage down the middle of the field. Dak's been throwing good there. I don't know why they stopped doing that, that at the end of the game. I can tilt about that later. But Jake Ferguson, he had his season high in targets, 10. And I know that might even be a career high if I look back at the game long. Like, he's become Prescott's number two, even over Brandon Cooks, which is weird to say. But we knew Dak loved his tight ends. We saw this type of upside coming. But he now has two games in a row where he's taken advantage, you know, of good matchups. And it looks like he's a big fixture in this offense now. He's not just some guy that you spot start every week where you, he's not on that fringe tight end one carousel anymore. Yeah, coming out of the bye, it looks like they really focused on, on, on the guys that, that they need to focus on on offense uh, outside right. of Tony Pollard. Um, <laughs> let, let's move on to the Seahawks. Have a lot game. of shares in him. So that's probably why you keep bringing that up. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I really do. Um, moving on to the Seahawks-Ravens game. The Ravens' backfield got a little interesting in this game. It started with Gus Edwards and Justice Hill rotating. And then Keaton Mitchell came in during the second quarter and started to take some work away as well. Um, this was close to a 50-50 split in, in terms of touches between Edwards and Hill to start. But then it started to phase out away from Edwards outside of those goal line touches. He had five carries total, had a big 42-yard run, and then he had two touchdowns, right? So, like, I'm not sure how much we could take out of this game in, ter in, this game in terms of the split because Hill was the guy in the fourth quarter. But even if you take away all of Hill's fourth quarter snaps, he still led the backfield in snaps. So I think all these guys, like, are going to be rostered by the end, uh, like, after waivers this week, right, including right. Keaton Mitchell, who had nine carries for 138 yards and a touchdown. All right, the Seahawks were an extremely, like, tough run defense coming into this game. They were allowing the least yards per carry to running backs, right? And we had Keaton Mitchell average 15.3 yards per carry. Gus Edwards average 10.4 yards per carry, okay? Uh, Mitchell is, like, this big play guy, right? Think of him like a Jaleel McLaughlin type, like, undersized but quick, you know? So I think he should be picked up. Um, and, and by the way, like, if it's not apparent to you, like Gus Edwards is still a glaring sell high right now. Five carries, two touchdowns. Like I know like the touchdowns are so attractive, but like, you know, it's one of those things where he's an early down back. He's touchdown dependent. This is a good offense for sure. Mm -hmm. But Gus Edwards isn't breaking touchdown records this year. Right. So yeah. like, just, you know, it's one of those things where like, just take advantage of these huge games from the touchdowns. And, you know, he's not involved in the passing game at all. So just, right. just sell him because he's been putting up RB1 numbers. He's not an RB1. So just make sure to like take advantage, maybe, you know, buy an actual RB1. Yeah. Then the, pa the past two games before this one, it kind of looked like it, it almost made you think that maybe he is this RB1. You know, he had 14 and 19 carries in those games. He looked like the guy that was leading the backfield and he had the touchdowns go with it. So the product he was still overproducing in those games, but at least he had the usage there. This week the usage came down, but luckily he saved you if you still held on to Gus Edwards. I think we talked about him on the buy sell show as a sell. Yeah, so did. he he saved you this week with two touchdowns again. And it was just a really weird game overall. I didn't think that the Ravens were gonna just run away with it like they did, literally and figuratively run away with it. But yeah, Gus Edwards, you gotta sell him. And then also, like you mentioned, you know, I, I just the way that this game played out. I couldn't believe it. And it goes back to the Seahawks looking horrific on offense. Like Geno Smith doesn't look anything like the Geno Smith of last year. Like 
are we to the point where we're thinking? I know we had this conversation. We brought this up a couple times. We were like, is this a flash in a pan type Geno Smith? Like, are these red flags that could signal that this could be a flash in a pan for Geno Smith last year? And we were all like, eh, I don't know. You know, let's give him a little bit of time. This game was horrific. <laughs> he had yeah, all it was bad. He had all of his weapons. DK Metcalf, four targets. Tyler Lockett, eight targets. Like, just Jackson Smith and Jake, but I, I like him. He's a good receiver, but he shouldn't be leading the receiving room. There's something wrong there if that's happening. And the running backs were an afterthought. There was nothing working. I, and I know the, the Ravens are a good defense, but are they that good? Like, this is more than just the Ravens being a good defense and run away with it on offense. This is the Seahawks. They've got issues on offense suddenly, and it starts with Geno Smith. And I don't, do you think there's a, I don't want to just write them off, but. I'm getting to the point where I'm thinking, are we going to see Geno Smith turn things around? If he doesn't, and we keep seeing games like this, like there's no upside for any player in this offense right now. They've all been floor plays at best this season. Yeah, I, I, I really, the only guy that I can see, you know, there's some being some semblance for is Kenneth Walker. That's it. Like Tal Lockett's up and down. And Tal, even, even this game, like Kenneth Walker, he was an afterthought, just like you said, because of the fact that this offense couldn't get anything going. And by the right. way, Zach Charbonnet did end up out-snapping Kenneth Walker again in this game. Okay, now, the reason for that is because they were in a negative game script. He was their primary third down back. Um, but on early downs, it was uh, a majority Kenneth Walker. Um, if I tell you, like, let's see exactly what that number turned out to be uh, in this game. On early downs, Walker, let's see, where am I? Let's let's look this up real quick because I'm I'm interested now myself. At that. Um, <laughs> it's like that. Oh, yeah. At that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. On early downs, he played 85% of early downs uh, in this game, and Zach Charbonnet played all thir- third downs and all two minute situations, uh, which ended up you know obviously in a extremely negative game script. It ended up being Charbonnet in this game. Right. So you know last week's game for Kenneth Walker. And then this week's game for Kenneth Walker, you know, you might want to go ahead and buy Kenneth Walker at this point. As bad as this offense looked, um, just go get him because he's somebody that could end up, you know, continuing to be an RB1 for you. Um, you know, so there, there's that. But these pass catchers, man, DK Metcalf, one catch in this game. He had a big play, 50-yard play, but, you know, not good, right? Tyler Lockett couldn't come yeah. through. Now, this was a very tough matchup. We knew that coming in, going into Baltimore, not easy. Right. Um, the right. Lions couldn't get anything going in that game either. Um, so, you know, I, I take it with a grain of salt because this was an extremely tough matchup for, for this team. You, you know, two teams that don't really face each other. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. Lamar just has the NFC's number at this point. <laughs> yeah, he does. I, you're right. I, I might have been a little harsh there in my assessment, the original assessment, but still. No, like this, I don't this, think this, so. This offense, <laughs> this offense, <laughs> an offense that has DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jake Bell. That was supposed to be a luxury draft, you know, adding another wide receiver to that already stacked room. You have Kenneth Walker in the backfield, Zach Charbonnet. Like, there's too much talent here to just have it slide like that in a game. Even but even if right. they're getting dominated, they shouldn't be. Gino. Yeah. Gino's not looking good, man. Gino's not looking good this there's year. There's an obvious link that's not pulling his weight. And I, Flash, I hate saying that about Gino Smith. He's a great guy. Yeah, Flash we're the worried pan, about yeah. that. That's, we're yeah. on... It's not just like flash in a pan watch. It's now like code red. Because <laughs> if things don't turn around soon, it's going to be like, uh-oh. And he only signed a three-year deal, but that's considerable because it was $100 million, I think, he got. So that could be an issue moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully hopefully things can turn around for him. Um, 
Vikings Falcons, man. Vikings Falcons, what a crazy game this was, man. Yeah. So much to talk about here. Let's start on the on the positive side with the Vikings. Jaron Hall, he got hurt after only 11 snaps. So guess who their backup was? It was Josh Dobbs. So they just traded for Dobbs at the deadline less than a week ago, right? He comes in, he takes his safety, right? Which right. makes sense. Uh, wait, when did he? When did he? He he was traded just a couple few. It was just a few it was days, days ago. ago. Yeah, it was. It was, it was days, days ago. ago. It yeah. was like so Tuesday. <laughs> he comes in in this game. He it, it looks like pretty crappy to start. He takes his safety. Which makes a lot of sense, right? But the rest of his performance made no sense to me. He threw for through two touchdowns. He took seven carries for sixty-six yards and a rushing touchdown. Okay, he's going to finish as a top five fantasy quarterback this week, most likely. And he got his team to win. He threw the game-winning touchdown. Okay, <laughs> T.J. Hawkinson got his twelve targets, seven catches for sixty-nine yards. Looks like he's going to be just fine. Jordan Addison got five. He was five for 52 on seven targets. Not bad, all things considered. Promising stuff here for the Vikings moving forward. Five and four now. Four and one on the road. Justin Jefferson potentially coming back next week. Dobbs didn't even need to know the playbook, Zach. He's getting it no. done. That's crazy. And I feel like, have we had that? Have we heard this story multiple times before? Because the story going into Cardinals end of the season was with the Cardinals. He went from the Browns to the Cardinals. It's like, wow, is he going to be able to pick up this playbook? He comes out right. and he has a solid stretch of games to start the game, the season. And now it's like he's traded to the Vikings, comes in. Wow, is he going to be able to pick up the playbook? Remember, this is a guy that I think they said on broadcast, maybe it was maybe it wasn't this season, but I said it they said it before that he's like lined up with like to work with NASA or something. Like he's a really smart guy off the field. So oh, really? maybe that's playing into it. Yeah. They said it. I know they said it during the Cowboys game last year when Josh Dobbs was playing with the Titans, but they said that he has this like NASA thing that he's going, he's very smart. So maybe that's playing into why you could pick up the playbook, but that was just a ridiculous fantasy performance. Like, is he now a dual threat quarterback? Is he going to start moving up in the rankings a little bit? I don't think we're ever going to rank him as a top 12 QB, but I think he's definitely going to be like knocking on the door for a while here, especially if we're going to see that type of performance. It's also funny because this is the exact same fancy point total down to a tenth of a point that we've seen from it, that we saw from him two weeks in a while, in a row. Right. So last week he had 24.92, <laughs> and this week he has 24.92, and it's on two different teams. And like you mentioned, Insane. the biggest takeaway for me is, can Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson still be relevant? Like, it, we thought that he'd be able to support them you know, like at least in some capacity, but that was as promising a performance you could have, you know, especially with three or four days of playbook work, you know, under the belt. This is his sixth game of 40 or more rushing yards uh, for Josh Dobbs. And now he gets Justin Jefferson as his wide receiver one, Jordan Addison as his wide receiver two, TJ Hawkinson as his tight end. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, in terms of target share, Dobbs in this game, 37% target share for Hawkinson, 20% target share for Addison, and then Jefferson, you know, obviously coming back next week and shake all that up. Uh, but it looks like Hawkinson has a good chance of continuing to be the second target in this offense, potentially. We'll see. Um, right. Brutal, man. Cam Akers uh, has a, yet another Achilles injury. Absolutely brutal. Two Achilles tears in a few years. It just sucks for any player. Um, I think the fantasy takeaway here is that this is Alexander Madison's backfield the rest of the way. Uh, this was actually a split backfield until he got hurt before the fourth quarter started. Uh, so I think Madison is like a low-end RB2 the rest of the way. 
Uh, any other running back would probably make this role into like a high-end RB2 or RB1 play. Um, but Madison just like isn't that good, and he hasn't <laughs> been doing it. But Madison, he gets an upgrade moving forward. I was going to say, we're just going to crap on Madison like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's it's true. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And it's brutal for Cam Akers, too, because he was actually looking good. You know, like, I do I think that he might have taken over the backfield at some point? Probably not, but he might have worked in and had like a solid role. But if you have Alexander Madison and you were clinging on to him after a couple bad matchups, you know, like this is a decent upgrade, like you mentioned. Like, he's going to go back to that same way we were treating him, where it was like Madison. He, he, if he scores a touchdown, he's going to have a good week for you. But other than that, you know, the upside isn't really there. We're going to have that moving yeah. forward, but at least he has that going for him. Where past couple of weeks, that wasn't happening. So Madison got bailed out, I think, with this injury is a good way to look at it because his season was kind of going down, and now he doesn't have any more competition here in the backfield. But, man, Achilles injuries just keep popping up. <laughs> like, does it feel like there have been a yeah. ton of those? Like, I know Aaron Rodgers had one. Kirk Cousins just has one. That, that, this, this is two Achilles injuries in back-to-back games for the Vikings. <laughs> and pieces that aren't you know insignificant you know cam Akers, he was coming on he was actually turning into a, a solid piece for them and now it's back to just madison in the backfield we'll see how that plays out all right moving to the falcons man like this is getting a little ridiculous now with arthur smith this is the second week in a row that the falcons lost the backup quarterbacks um and and like from our perspective like this is what you want to see you know we want arthur smith gone you know, we want him to get fired, and we're hoping that any little loss that they could take, like, it just leads to, like, him being fired, right? I don't know if it's going to happen, but, like, we would love to see it. Tyler Algier outtouches Robinson in this game, despite Bijan playing almost double the snaps, right? Bijan, he no needs sense. more targets, too, man. 24 routes and only three targets. Like, when you have your star wide receiver out, you know what I'm saying? Like, Bijan is averaging yeah. over five yards per carry this season. Right, like Algier, like in this game, even this game, no, during the season, like if you look at what their totals are in the season, five yards per carry for Bijan, Algier, three yards per carry this season. Okay, like yeah. where is the justification for continuing to roll out Algier? He had five touches for minus 13 yards at the half. Okay, and the plan <laughs> moving forward coming out of the half was continue to feeding Algier. Okay, I, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here to everybody who's listening to this, and I've been like relatively quiet on this, but like because I just I'm like no wait like it's it's gonna get better, it, you know it's gonna get better, but like I just can't anymore, dude. Like Arthur Smith has no <laughs> idea how to use his star players. It's gonna get better. It's gonna get better. It's not gonna get better. <laughs> like that's just the way it feels. It's terrible. I don't know. Do you remember? Was it two or three weeks ago that Bijan was running routes as a receiver, pretty much as a wide receiver? With Drake London in the game, Drake London goes out, and now suddenly he is your – he's not even an early down back. He's just – he's a change of pace back. You drafted the guy eighth overall. <laughs> Drake That's London's crazy. hurt. Like, this was like – maybe it was Arthur Smith's dream because you have not using Bijan Robinson. Drake London's out. You don't have to even worry about, are we going to get him the ball? <laughs> and then Kyle Pitts. What is Johnny Smith doing with 100 yards receiving? <laughs> Why? Like, how does that work? If I'm not mistaken, did he have a touchdown? Or it was weird. They used Johnny Smith no. with a they ran the ball to him. Oh, Johnny Smith, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they gave him carries. They ran the ball to him over yeah. B. John Robinson. And that was yeah. I'm not mistaken. That was in the red zone or the like the goal one. Yeah. 
<laughs> so like i have no idea what's going on we've been on this for a while we could just do a whole podcast just just about what is arthur smith doing but at this point like you gotta figure somebody in the falcons admin level you know owner someone general manager has to be wondering like do we really want this guy to keep underutilizing these guys that we give him because they've given him given him everything except except maybe a quarterback besides that they've given him everything he needs and it's not a situation where it's like, oh, the quarterback isn't handing the ball off to the running back. Like, <laughs> just this hand is the ball five. This is five straight games of Bijan Robinson getting less than fifty percent of his team's rushing attempts, which makes ridiculous. zero sense. It's maybe, unbelievable. Maybe Arthur Smith's like, oh, we're just we're just gonna keep him fresh. <laughs> we can keep him fresh so that when we have to pay him, you know, maybe that's the rationale. I don't know. I'm not saying you run him into the ground, but he needs to get more touches. The only rationale that I can see is that, you know, Arthur Smith thinks that, you know, he's going to make the playoffs, make this late playoff push or whatever. And then he wants to save Bijan Robinson for the end of the year. You know, you know, rookie, you know, rookies, you know, necessarily aren't necessarily, you know, they're not used to 17 game seasons. Right. And, you know, could this be a situation where they're just saving him for the end of the year? Maybe. But maybe that's just me, you know, trying to rationalize it all. Right, and then like doing. at the end of the year, he he's going to pick it up. The the point here know. is there should be no rationalization to be done when you consider where they were drafted, the talent that they have, and who is out snapping them, who's taking opportunities from them. I don't think Algier is as bad as he was, you know. But there's no reason for guys like Algier and Johnu Smith to be out touching guys, you know, over Kyle Pitts and B. John Robinson. It's, it's just, it shouldn't happen. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Well, you know, let's move on. I can't even. T- I can't even talk about this anymore. Uh, Jerome Ford. Let's look, talk about the Browns and Cardinals real quick. Jerome Ford ended up with 25 touches in this game against Arizona, leading the Browns' uh, backfield with 64% of snaps, 20 carries, and five catches on seven targets. Uh, it's good to know that Ford like is the lead back, right? It's also good to know that he's the passing down back as well. Kareem did get most of the short yardage work though, right? So, you know, he's still someone that you could potentially flex. This is most likely going to be, you know, a team that focuses on running the ball moving forward. Uh, Deshaun Watson also came out of this game unscathed, which is good news for Amari Cooper. Cooper did his thing. Five catches for 139 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Tough matchup next week in Baltimore, but still starting him as a wide receiver, too. Yeah, and Deshaun Watson didn't look that bad. (laughs) No, he didn't. So that's all right. I, I like Amari Cooper getting the, the, the touchdown. That was great. <laughs> I didn't think that was going to happen. But also Jerome Ford, too. It looks like he's back to his role as, like, you know, the clear lead back. But, you know, he's still going to have Kareem Hunt vulturing those touchdowns. Yep. It's a pain. Definitely. Definitely. Um, it is worth noting that third-round rookie wide receiver Cedric Tillman was on the field on most two wide receiver sets for the Browns this week after they traded away Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, only one target for him, but you know someone to just keep an eye on given the fact that there isn't a clear second receiving target on this offense behind Amari Cooper. It was Elijah Moore, but he's just been very inconsistent this year. Um, early on, he was getting those targets, but it's been really – it's really let up since. Okay. Um, Moving on to the Rams and Packers, the Rams just, you know, Rams offense just a hot mess without Matthew Stafford against the Packers. Only put up three points. Uh, they were shut out in the second half. Cooper Cup, two for 47 on seven targets. Puka Nakua, three for 32 on seven targets. Absolutely terrible. These guys' values just took a big hit without Stafford. Um, let's hope he can heal 
during this bye week, and they come out in week 11 just fine. I, I, yeah. I'm holding both these guys on my roster right now. I'm not making any panic moves or sells or anything like that. Unless yeah, you can't just- unless you desperately need a win in week week 10 where you're just like, all right, I have to, but just make sure you're not undervaluing them when you do sell them. Yeah. You can't like, it hurts. Obviously <laughs> having these guys put it up hurts so bad. Zach. It, hurts. it hurts. It so does. <laughs> Cause remember we were talking about on the rankings podcast, we were like, not, yeah, the rankings, it was Friday or something like that. We were talking yeah. about, we we're like, one of these guys is going to have that bad game. Well, they both had a bad game because <laughs> Brett Rippon was not good enough. Right. So I wasn't expecting much. I was hoping there would be like, 13 or 14 point ceiling for one of these guys, <laughs> you know, but we both had them evidently already, you know, looking back hindsight's a bitch. We both had them pretty high in the rankings. They might've been way too high, but the silver lining here is that Matthew Stafford should, should be back and they have a buy this week. So you don't have to worry about wondering, Oh, should we put them in the lineup again? You know what I mean? Right. So now you don't have to worry about making that decision. Matthew Stafford, hopefully should be able to come back healthy at which point we can go back to ranking them regularly scheduled programming. One of them as a wide receiver yeah. one, probably Cooper cup and, Pukunakua is a mid wide receiver too. <laughs> so that's the hope right now. That's the status report. You, you, nothing's going to change over the bye week unless we hear for some reason that Matthew Stafford isn't progressing in his injury recovery like he should be. Then you would worry about it. But at this point, I think you come back, you reload, and week 11, you put them back in your lineup and hope for the best. Because as long as Matthew Stafford's there, they should have that ceiling back. Uh, I was hoping that would be the case where they'd have some sort of ceiling with Rippon, but they, but they don't. So that is the takeaway. Don't start him if Rippon is in, but that shouldn't happen moving forward. So maybe we should have believed Matt LaFleur when he said Aaron Jones would be unleashed this week. I didn't buy it, right? A week of limited practices. He had a red non-contact jersey all week, but he ended up with 24 touches in this game for 99 total yards and a rushing touchdown. 57% 57% of snaps. This is the Aaron Jones that we wanted, right? I know a lot of people had him on their benches this week because, you know, a lot of us couldn't trust him, right, until they saw it. And it looks like he's finally back, and we have the guy we've been wanting to start. So I think as long as he doesn't get hurt again, he's a high-end RB2 moving forward, especially next week in a good matchup against Pittsburgh. Yeah, and you, uh, the way you said that just kind of, like, epitomizes the way you're moving forward with Aaron Jones. Is like, as long as he doesn't get hurt again, it's like – It's like rolling a big glass display out on a really shoddy trailer and just hoping (laughs) that nothing happens to it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Because it's great when it, when it, when nothing happens to him, you know, he, he looks good and he finally looks like he's healthy. I didn't expect his performance at all either. Like you mentioned coming off of that red non-contact Jersey practice report. Like, it's just like, what the heck was that about? But he came through. It was a game that there really wasn't any pressure. They didn't have to overuse Aaron Jones. I don't think he's going to like get a huge workload especially with A.J. Dillon there getting some carries. But Aaron Jones, he looked good. So as long as that's the case, like you mentioned, moving forward, he has that type of upside to be a low RB2, maybe not a low RB2, a high RB2, sorry, low RB1 moving forward. And this is exactly what you wanted to see pretty much. You know, you haven't seen this type of performance since week one. And now if he, you just have to have that stay, him stay healthy. All right, moving to the Bears-Saints game. Deontay Foreman was the clear lead back for the Bears in this one. 20 carries to Roshan Johnson's two carries. Roshan ended up with only three total opportunities in this game. Uh, Foreman also led you know, clearly in snaps with 58%. Uh, now Khalil Herbert is eligible to return next week at home against Carolina. And because it's such a great matchup, you know, it could and it's potentially you know Herbert's first read back, assuming that he's back. Who knows if he is or not. But 
I can't imagine former Foreman not being involved, right? And, you know, it's a good matchup. Roshan Johnson seems to be the one who is now asked out, but he is going to be the primary passing down back, most likely, regardless of who's healthy and who's not. Um, but yeah, like it, it's probably both Herbert. If Herbert is back next week, it's probably a little bit of him and a little bit of Deontay Foreman, too. Yeah. Okay. So let's say I think that's the case, too. Let's just put that out there. You know, next week, that would be probably what I would project for this backfield, too. But say mm-hmm. Deontay Foreman has another good game, right? Could this mm-hmm. be a situation where it's like Khalil Herbert isn't this clear number one guy where it's like a true I don't think then? he's a clear I don't even think he's a clear number one guy when he comes back. Um like, he was the think, number one guy. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Do you think Foreman could have a role, you know, a solid fantasy relevant role like the the rest of the way? I guess that's it's possible. Question. It's possible. Like, I, do I see him taking over from Khalil Herbert? No. Like completely yeah, I'm taking not, I'm over. I'm not saying he does that, but yeah, but I game do think like this could turn into yeah. I can see that. I can see it being 50-50 the rest of the way. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. I would bet on Khalil. Like, my, my bets would be on Khalil Herbert, but, like, not by a whole lot. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not taking crazy odds on that one. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I do think that, you know, he's played well enough. And this in this game, this indi- like, the in- like, they just gave us a clear indication of who they like between Roshan and, uh, and, Foreman. Um, and, and Foreman, right? So, it's like, you know. That's a huge differential right there. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like with Foreman, Foreman used to be inactive, right? He was the inactive running back. And now things have completely changed. And that's all it takes. And it's interesting because like I wasn't giving Foreman much of a thought either because he obviously because he was inactive. But I didn't think that he was going to be able to come into this backfield. I didn't think that he was going to separate himself as like a true piece over Rashawn Johnson. But that's the case. So I'm surprised, but it's it's not a problem. (laughs) You know, I'd rather have another. I'd like. I'd like to see Khalil Herbert be the guy, but if that's not going to be the case, we should ride the hot hand here and not have to throw somebody in that's not going to, you know, perform as well as the other one. So in that case, in this case here, it's Rashawn Johnson that's being outperformed by Foreman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And next week, I think I think I might even rank Foreman above Khalil Herbert in his first game back. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I, I, I think that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, uh, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Cole Komet had a huge game. Six catches for 55 yards and two touchdowns. He was Tyson Badgen's guy in this game. Like, how many people started Cole Komet today? I don't know if that... It was I that actually many. did. Did I you? Yes, did. let's go. In my one, let's it was go, like my dynasty league. It was my dynasty league. I, it, <laughs> I was just really pulling one there. I was like, I don't know if... I, I have to just throw him in because I think my other option was like Chigo Conquo. I was like, I'm not right. going to do that. I'm just going to go with Cole yeah. Komet. That was let's great. go. That's what I'm talking about. Um... Six catches, 55 yards, and two touchdowns. That was awesome. Um, Darnell Moody had a great game. Uh, he had a great matchup out of the slot coming into the game, and he did his thing. Like, I I saw it, and I was just like, oh, man. Like, I just – I don't know if I can recommend Darnell Mooney, you know, or even, even bring it up. But, like, I should have. Don't blame you. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the perimeter, though, is where it's tough against New Orleans. That's why DJ Moore didn't really come through in this one. Um, but, you know. It was interesting. I, I wouldn't necessarily pick up Darnell Mooney or anything like that moving forward. No. Um, on the Saints there, side, yeah. sorry, for a second there, it looked like Tyson Bajan was actually going to like come through. <laughs> and yeah. he, he, like in terms of fantasy points, he did. But like when he had, didn't he have like two touchdowns before he threw the three picks? Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> right? he, he was looking so, pretty good in the first half for good, sure. And then it all just kind of came crashing down. Yeah, yeah. I was rooting for the guy too because, you know, you know, we always root yeah. for these undrafted guys, you know? Um, yeah. On the Saints side, we had Taysom Hill out carry Alvin Kamara in this game. He was also way more effective than him, 4.7 yards per carry compared to 2.9 
for Kamara. Kamara has been a little bit, you know, not so efficient on the ground this entire season. Yards per carry, missed tackles, force, all that sort of thing. But he did end up getting four catches for four targets for 44 yards. So that kind of saved you in PPR. Uh, Kamara playing on less than 50% of snaps isn't ideal. What do you think happened here, Zach? Like Jamal Williams ended up playing only four less snaps than Kamara in this one. And it was a close game throughout. Yeah, I have no idea. The thing that's really confusing to me is that the Taysom Hill iron is still hot. <laughs> I yeah. don't know why that's happening. Mr. Inconsistency is now Mr. Consistency over the past four weeks. I don't think that he should be out carrying Kamara, <laughs> you know, in, in any game. doesn't matter if the game script or whatever, but that, that that's what happened. So I don't th- – I'm not taking too much out of this. I'm not worried about Alvin Kamara because there's only one game, and since he came back, he's been dominating. But you can't, you know, just ignore it either that – the snaps were split up a little bit less than what we like to see. And Taysom well, Hill, look at that, last that was, week. Last week, only 58% of snaps for Kamara, too. And then it went below 50 this week. So is this a little bit of a trend we're seeing here? Huh? I hope it's not. I mean, Me too. Has Alvin, Alvin Kamara hasn't given any reason for them to do that, but we've seen NFC South coaches. I mean, <clears> Arthur <throat> Smith I, I, I did, do I things did like say this it. before. He has been very extremely inefficient on the ground. So, like, as a coach, you're looking at it on a per-play basis, right? It's like, should I give this carry to Alvin Kamara right now, right? And it's like, well, these plays have been extremely inefficient this year, right? And like, yeah. from a fantasy perspective, you're like, yeah, give him 20 carries because he can give me like 68 yards and, you know, he'll catch like eight balls and score a touchdown and it's great, you know? Yeah. But like, from a coaching perspective you're like well this really hasn't worked out when we have given alvin kamara the ball on the on the ground on a per play basis like we probably should do something else instead yeah i, I, I guess we break it down into it. yeah you break it down in nuts and bolts like that that does make sense <laughs> so that's fair uh, i will give you that one but you know alvin kamara are you are you worried about him like do you think that this is something that's no. going to i'm not think- worried but this is a little bit concerning because i i, I can see where it's coming from and I did mention right. this a few weeks ago. I'm like, yo, just keep riding it. But like, just know that he's in a, extremely inefficient. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. It's been the targets. The targets and his role in the mm-hmm. receiving game has been what has been holding him down. And then also touchdowns on top of that. Right. And that, that's what um, saved him this week. If he didn't have those yeah. catches and targets, it, it would have been a terrible game. <laughs> it would have been 26 bad. yards rushing. Interesting. Something to keep an eye on. All right. Moving on to the Texans and Bucks. What a day. From C.J. Stroud, 470 passing yards, 470 passing yards, okay? That's a rookie record. He broke Andrew Luck's record. Five passing touchdowns, zero interceptions, insane day from him. Insane day. I'm Canadian now. He is a legitimate (laughs) star in the making, dude. Yeah, he's just played out of his mind. You know, obviously... We didn't really like this matchup, did we? I mean, the matchup was like, all right, but we were like, how much do we want to lean on CJ Stroud this week? At least maybe that was my feeling. Maybe you thought differently, but I, no one could have seen this type of game coming. <laughs> like, I, I, like I was talking to you before the podcast, before I left, I took a little time away from football. I had Tank Dell in my lineup and he had like four points. I was like, oh man, this is one of those games where it's just like, nothing's going to happen. This was like a quarter in the game. And then I come back to it. It's like Tank Dell is 29 points. I'm like, wow, he must have had the biggest day of any Texans receiver. And then you come down, you look at the list, you look at the game log, 27 points for Noah Brown, 27 points for Dalton Schultz. Like CJ Stroud looks 
and feels like the top quarterback in this class right now. You know, that's that's what I think. And I think you and I were on the same page when we talked about CJ Stroud coming in. We were like, this is a guy that really has an opportunity, you know, to come in. The you know, weapons weren't that bad. He was probably going to have the better season between him and Bryce Young. That was a big co- comparison that we were making. But I, I didn't see this coming. Like <laughs> Five touchdowns. That's amazing. Like, I don't know how many people had him in their lineup. But if you did, like a lot of people had him in the lineup this week. I mean, we had him. We all had him ranked as a top 10 quarterback. There was a lot of quarterbacks on by. He was probably started in most leagues than not. Right here, I'm, I'm pulling up on sleeper right now. Just right here. It says he started in 45% of leagues. I don't know if that's, that's this like week, less though. than that. I, I don't know if it's this week, but right now, uh, maybe those numbers didn't come in yet. You're right. And I guess it's true because there were also a lot of weird quarterback situations, like who was actually starting Jaron Hall or anybody yeah. that this week. You know what I'm saying? Maybe he was in more right. lineups than you thought, but that it was just a great game all around, and he can build on this. 100%, man. 100%. Um, Tank Dell, like you mentioned, went crazy in this game. Six catches for 114 yards and two touchdowns, including the game winner. 26% target share. Uh, you know, Noah Brown, I call that one, Zach, okay? Um, didn't realize he was going to have go six for 153 and a touchdown, but damn, he did have one of the best matchups of any wide receiver coming into the week. We talked about it on the wide receiver podcast on Friday. If CJ Stroud is that guy, maybe Brown can be a plug-and-play like type of flex guy, you know, this season. Like, not plug-and-play, plug-in type of guy if you need it in, on, in the flex. Now, Robert Woods is hurt, so maybe when he comes back, it affects his role, but, you know, it really comes down to how good is CJ Stroud, right? And, and how many guys can he make fantasy relevant? You know, like these guys are going to be inconsistent, you know, like him and, you know, Dalton Schultz potentially. Like, can you talk about Dalton Schultz for a second, dude? 10 catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown on 11 targets, right? 81% rap participation last week. Didn't have a whole lot of targets, but it looked like the targets followed that rap participation this week. Yeah, absolutely. And, before I talk about Dalton Schultz, just one thing. CJ Stroud, the cool thing about this is that CJ Stroud showed the ceiling and it's only week, it's week nine. Yeah, so nine weeks in the season, we've seen the type of ceiling that CJ Stroud can have. So that's huge. But also with Dalton Schultz, did you let me take this one because he's a former Cowboy? I mean, I know we just saw Noah Brown, same thing. Six for one. There's a lot of reasons why. Uh, There's a lot of reasons why I gave you this one, but please go ahead. But Dalton Schultz, we talked about him. I, I put it in the newsletter like two weeks ago. I think it was. It might have been two weeks ago where it was. Tank Dell is coming back, and in the games where Tank Dell had played, you know, Dalton Schultz, his target share is way down. <laughs> Tank Dell comes back. Not only does Tank Dell have a huge game, but now Dalton Schultz has a huge game <laughs> with Tank Dell on the field. So that completely turned that whole narrative on its head about can Dalton Schultz have a role in the receiving game when when there's other weapons in the receiving well, game. Like Nico Collins was the one who ended up, you know, not having the short end of the stick here, despite him having a decent game too. Short end of the stick, 54 yards and a touchdown. Like, obviously, <laughs> that's a little disappointing, granted, given what everybody else did on the Texans, but like that's still serviceable. You're fine with that. It does leave you feeling like there's a little meat left on the bone there if you're a Nico Collins manager and CJ Stroud throws for 470 yards, you end up with 14 points from your receiver. I get that. But Dalton Schultz is <laughs> his best game of the season. Could this continue? I don't want to take too much from this because this is an obviously an outlier game. <laughs> I don't think we're going to see five touchdowns from CJ Stroud every time, but it looks like Schultz has a role where it's not going to be, you know, low ceiling, low floor all the time. He he's yeah. in that conversation. I think he's right in there with Jake Ferguson right now, which is funny. Exactly. He is in that like Cowboys. low end, low end QB, low end tight end one conversation, you know, with upside. 
yeah, those low end tight end one conversation, and you feel kind of confident when you put him in your lineup versus other guys like Johnu Smith. I know he had a good game, but it's like low end tight end one. You don't feel so confident about it. You know, they have yeah, that well, type of upside yeah. there. Yeah, I just yeah, Jonathan Smith is just don't, don't even I don't even talk about that. Right <laughs> He's now. a product of um, Smith. Jeez. Devin Singletary, let's talk about the backfield. He was the primary back of this type of the Texans, 74% of snaps, but couldn't get anything going. 15 opportunities in this game. <laughs> Didn't couldn't get anything to. going at all. This was like all CJ Stroud in this game, right? Yeah. Um, on the other side of the ball, big game for Rashad White in this one. 24 touches, 119 total yards, two rushing touchdowns. White has been killing it in PPR over the last three games. Um, this could be a sell high opportunity. You know, I think either way he can be a PPR RB to the rest of the way. Either way, like he's been extremely efficient in the receiving game, like extremely efficient, um, especially lately. He's been catching like basically everything that comes his way um, yep. this entire season. So, you know, you can start him in PPR. If you're in standard half point, maybe you want to sell him after this game. But in PPR, like as long as the targets keep coming, that's literally all we care about with Rashad White. Exactly. And with Rashad White, I think the situation is it's like – the, the nice part about the situation is that you don't have to sell, but you can. And if you could get something good in return, you know, like you could pull the trigger and you'll be fine. But also, if you hold on to him, there's nothing wrong with holding on to him. This isn't a Gus Edwards situation where the floor could be, it could fall out from underneath him anytime. You know, you're just waiting for the rug to be yanked. And it was pretty much this week. The rug was yanked out from Gus Edwards, but he still had two touchdowns. So it looks all right. But Rashad right. White, this isn't a situation where you're going to have that floor fall out from underneath him. Because he has that receiving work, like you mentioned. So if you hold on to him, it's a net negative, not net negative. It's a net neutral, and you could yeah. only get like something positive if you would think about moving him. But either way, you're going to be on the upside of whatever you're doing. Exactly, exactly. Um, really disappointing game from Chris Godwin. Uh, two catches for 16 yards. Uh, by far his worst right. game of the season. Uh, much much better matchup on deck next week uh, against the Titans. But damn, did not see this one coming at all. No. Not at all. And just the receiver room in general. Kate Otten had two touchdowns, so that w- wasn't helping their yeah. cause either. You know, no. you think with the Bucs scoring 37 points, there would be more to be said for the receivers, but it just wasn't their day today. It's Rashad White and Kate Otten. So I'm not worried about either of these receivers because it's just, you know, the way that the game went. Um, it should, it maybe it's a little bit concerning because it was a good matchup for Chris Godwin, but it was also a weird game where CJ Stroud threw for 400 some yards, five touchdowns. So, Take it with a grain of salt, but still, we want to see better from Chris Godwin moving forward. He had a good matchup. He didn't come through. So now it's just like, now what? <laughs> you know, I, I think you're still going to start him, but it, it just doesn't feel like he's that safe of a play at this point. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and, and Kate Otten, it's interesting because, you know, nine catches, nine targets, six catches for 70 yards and two touchdowns. Maybe there's something here. You know, he, he's been near a full-time route participation all year long. Uh, six targets, six targets, nine targets over the last three weeks, averaging five catches over the last three weeks. So somewhat interesting, right? Maybe he moves into some, she should be moving into some streaming considerations, you know, moving forward as that right. like, you know, tight end two who you can plug in if you really need somebody. Um, let's see. Uh, I want to talk about a few of these other games, these later games that that happened. We talked about Dallas and Philly already for the most part. Um, what other games did we not talk about? Let's see. Um, Indy and Carolina. Let's hit them up. Chuba Hubbard 
you know, was their primary back. Miles Sanders ended up coming in and having some big plays in this one, actually. Um, you know, average 6.5 yards per carry. Obviously, of course, his first efficient game was going to be one where, you know, Chuba Hubbard was the main guy. 16 carries. He outcarried uh, Miles Sanders 16 to 6 in this one. Uh, however, uh, Chuba Hubbard went only for 58 yards, and Sanders had 39 yards on his six carries. So, you know, and this is a situation where, and Chuba Hubbard also fumbled in this game, uh, didn't lose the fumble, but, you know, something to consider here. You know, this, I, I never looked at the situation as one where Chuba Hubbard is just going to be the guy for the rest of the year. I think there's right. always this situation, always a potential for this to be a back and forth type of situation. Um, you know, he got the volume in this one because he also had six targets. So 22 opportunities total. Um, that's what you want to see. But, you know, he didn't really do much with the opportunity, despite the Colts giving up the most touchdowns, um, you know, to running backs coming into this week. Um, yeah. That's just a fluid backfield. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's kind of the way much. that we, we've been treating it. And, of course, like you mentioned, Miles Sanders would have a big game when it's Chuba Hubbard's backfield. Maybe Frank Reich is just pulling her leg here. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I mean, it's not, and I'm not happen. saying he had, he, he didn't necessarily have a big game, but, like, you know, he's actually efficient right like three catches right. for 22 yards you know six carries it's, for 39 yards you know so it's, it's, weird. Like, it's like that right. rb2 phenomenon <laughs> where as soon right. as you're the rb2 you're like more efficient than the league guy we see that with Jalen warren we saw it last year with tony pollard versus zeke and now tony pollard's not terribly efficient it's like it's, you get put to the exactly. rb2 spot in the depth chart suddenly you're better than the guy on person at bases <laughs> in front of you Bryce Young, man, just not a good game from him. Just like some boneheaded plays like that. He had two pick sixes. Kenny Moore, two pick sixes in this game. One of them, like, I don't know what Bryce Young was thinking, just flipping, flicking it like towards Miles Sanders and went over his head into Kenny Moore's hands. Like, I, I didn't know what he was doing there. Um, but uh, it is funny, though, like, because, you know, CJ Stroud's an Ohio State guy, right? And a lot of people were like, yeah, yeah. Ohio State guys can't even can't make it in the NFL. Well, I guess he put that one that to bed. That's what I was just going to say. Like, you contrast that Bryce Young performance with the CJ Stroud performance that you got today. And boy, it's like there's going to be a lot of talk this week <laughs> about did the Panthers really? make the right decision? Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I think I don't think that's a fair conversation good. to have, you know, at this point, but still, yeah, yeah. It, well, we could say the CJ Stroud looks, looks really good, though. That's what we could say. Yeah, but, um, yeah, absolutely. Michael Pittman ended up leaving, leading the Colts in targets and target share. He did end up, you know, getting a little bit banged up. I think he had like a, they just checked for a concussion, if I'm not mistaken, uh, at one point in the game. Jonathan Taylor, those five targets that he got really saved saved his day and the touchdown in the receiving game. Um, but man, like 2.6 yards per carry for Jonathan Taylor against the Panthers. <laughs> Zach Moss, 3.7 yards per carry against the Panthers. Not what I expect to hear at all, right? JT looked really good last year, last week in the run game. This is, you know, this was like a dream matchup for this Coles running game, right? And they yeah. just didn't come through at all. I think Jonathan Taylor came through in terms of the fantasy points, but sure, the way he sure. got there is not, you know, super encouraging. Um, let's see. Just I know we did this last week. You said the Jonathan Taylor workhorse report. Is he there yet? Is he there yet? <laughs> Listen, 20, 22 opportunities, you know, compared to only seven for Zach Moss. It's getting there for sure. Yeah. Right. It's not, as need, 50, it's not that 50, 50 split that we've been seeing, you know, before this week. You just need to match utilization now with some efficiency because <laughs> that's, that's lacking right now. Yeah. I mean, 74% of snaps, for Jonathan Taylor in this game. That's what you want to see. Zach Moss only played 13 snaps in this game. 
right? So that's that's what you want. Now, we were talking about Josh Downs, um, you know, coming into the week and him being a risk, and he ended up playing, but then ended up only catching one ball and leaving the game, right? So that was the risk that we talked about, and I wasn't feeling comfortable playing him, you know, especially given the fact that over the weekend they considered him a game-time decision, really. Um, He was active and didn't really work out. So I hope he didn't, I hope this injury didn't get worse. You know, this is the risk that you, that they played here and like he ended up hopefully not re-aggravating it, but we'll see what happens next week. It sounds from the way that it played out, like he shouldn't have played that they might've pushed it it a little bit there with the rookie. You know, I I think maybe, maybe Josh Down said, I want to play. Maybe maybe he was just like, that's what I want to do. But now Mm -hmm. it looks like hopefully, like you mentioned, it's not anything big because that would, hold him out for a little bit longer, I'd imagine, because now he goes down after it, it looks bad. Like they might say, all right, now we got to keep you out a week. And when he's ready to go, they might say, we're going to hold you out one extra week, make sure that you're all the way back. And that just clouds his whole future, not whole future, but the immediate future, you know, moving forward. hundred percent, man. Um, I want to, I, w- I just want to make sure that we're not missing anything from any of these. Uh, any oh, of these Adam Thielen had game. a quiet game the first time. That was interesting. Just something I noticed because I know I haven't yeah. in a couple leagues. But first quiet game. Only 29. Kenny yards. Moore, man. Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore, yeah. man. Kenny Moore had a big game. This was a tough matchup coming in. But you know, you had to continue to start Adam Thielen because like he's just been absolutely killing it every single week. Yep. Um, I think that's all we got, man. Uh not much you can take out the Giants Raiders game. Um, we'll be back tomorrow with our waiver wire show. We're going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting, interesting waiver wire week because there's not any like major pickups, right? This week, uh, you know, from what it seems like, you know, you know, obviously Taysom Hill, if he's still available, you know, Jamal Williams, you know, after, you know, Alvin Kamara getting, you know, less than 50% of snaps and then Kendrick Miller getting, having an ankle injury, um, you know, not great for him. So, you know, maybe Jamal Williams ends up becoming somewhat fantasy relevant at some point we'll see but we'll be back tomorrow for that episode make sure to tune in for that appreciate you guys so much if you can hit subscribe on the podcast on your podcast app that would be amazing thank you we'll be back tomorrow see you later bye bye